0: Childhood labels such as the sensitive one or the difficult one have remained consistent generation after generation. Today, we have honest conversation about these labels and how we see them play out
1: in both our personal and professional lives. You're listening to Honest Women, the podcast for every woman who's trying to juggle the relationships, roles, and responsibilities that come with modern womanhood and finding it all just a little harder than she thought it would be. We're your hosts, Andrea Berkley and Jessica Hutchison,
0: your new besties who just happen to be therapists. And while we believe that life is hard and there's no tip or trick that will solve that, it does get just a little bit easier when we can be real with each other and talk about it honestly.
1: You're listening to Honest Women. Good morning, my friends. Good morning. Has it been a Good morning.
0: No, no. No. It has not been a good morning at all. How about you?
1: It was a little rough. It was (sighs) a little rough. I was definitely reflecting on what we're about to talk about today. And yeah, it was playing out in my house this morning for sure.
0: Oh, girl. Yep. Me too. And it, you know what? It actually started really nicely and then my family woke up (laughs) and all hell (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and everything went to shit in a handbag. Oh, oh, good lord, I tell you what. Today's episode I've actually been really excited to do and you don't even know my excitement cuz I haven't I told don't. you my <laughs> told you my excitement. <laughs> I'll start with Kind of telling a story of how this topic came up because it was truly this big aha moment for me. I get home from picking up my my daughter and she got into an altercation, I don't know, you know, one of those 10-year-old girl drama Mm -hmm. fights, whatever. love her mom. She's very similar to me. So we're kind of texting like, okay, what story did you get? Here's a story I got. Let's piece it together and figure out what actually happened. Right. And so long story short, my daughter is, she's just not the tattler where it's like, just say, it's okay to say somebody did something or whatnot. She's like, why? I can deal with it. I can handle it. Problem is she's often on the receiving end of tattling. Being on the receiving end of tattling means she's often the bad guy. So she gets ridiculed or disciplined without the opportunity to give her perspective. And I myself, as her mother and knowing her, have said, what did you do? Guilty as charged. So as I'm kind of talking through with this mom, she mentions and throws out the label sensitive. I say back, my daughter tends to not be aware of other people's sensitivity. So after I talked to this mom, I went and sat with my daughter. And this was where I kind of had this aha moment. I looked at her and told her, "It must be really hard to be in a position where you upset somebody and you actually don't know why they're upset, do you?" Mm-hmm. And she looks at me and she's like, "No. I don't get it." And then I'm take it a step further. I'm like, "And then when you try to ask questions to figure out what is upsetting about it, it upsets them even more." Mhm. She's like, yes, I don't get it. And then they go and tattle on me and then I get in trouble and I'm the bad guy and I honestly don't understand what I did. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, wow, I have such a different understanding of you. And then in my head, I'm thinking, and your dad truly on how hard it must be to upset somebody who can be labeled the sensitive one and really, truly not get it. And then get in trouble or ridiculed for being quote unquote mean and you have no idea what you did wrong. I mean, Andrea, I kid you not. I was sitting in my bed that night and it was like I saw this whole different the world so <laughs> much differently. Yeah. And then as I do, I dive down in my in my head, which can be a scary thing, <laughs> about childhood labels. And how they play out into adulthood. And that Mm -hmm. is why I have been dying to talk this through with you. One, because you're like the best sounding board, right? But you you offer, yeah, you're welcome. You (laughs) offer perspective. We talk through things and it just starts to make sense. You know, then I started to think about labels like the difficult one, Mm -hmm. the angry one. And how that plays out. Yeah. So uh-huh. I'm curious, what was your label as a child? Gosh.
1: I've had time to think about this. I haven't thought about it. I feel like I haven't gotten to the right end. Like I'm not a hundred percent sure, but the label I have internalized is like the high achieving one. Ooh. Or the responsible one. And then when I was in high school, more like the dramatic one, but definitely the high achieving one, kind of independent. She does. She runs herself one. Does that make sense?
0: No, it makes perfect sense. That was mm-hmm. not me. Oh, I- That was my sister. <laughs> was yeah, no, I was the me. good
1: one. I was the good one. I was the one you don't have to worry about. I was the one who can get things done independently. I'm the one who's going to get the A plus. And some of that has to do with school. You know, Mm -hmm. some of that has to do with how I took to learning and my personality. Here's an embarrassing story. When I was in middle school, we had to make up an invention. And my invention was a little box that had a little like a cutout of a hand with like a, a stick attached to it. And you could pull a string and then it would raise the hand for when your arm was tired from raising your hand. In class,
0: why is that embarrassing? That's awesome.
1: No, it, it because I I just I don't I think it goes without saying like I was super popular in middle school. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and I'm also thinking That's how many sarcastic. times did you raise your hand? Right, All you the time, were the hand raiser every time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I literally, I was like, I always know the answer and I'm going to, I want to share my opinion and I want to be good. You're asking a question. I'm going to answer the question, even if it means that comes with total lack of social awareness. So I think a big part of my growing up years was not so much people pleasing, but adult pleasing. I'm the responsible one. I'm the one who was babysitting at 10. People would say, I can't believe how responsible she is. And that's, that was my, that's definitely my label. Responsible, high achieving, the one you don't have to worry about.
0: Ooh, okay. How has that impacted you in adulthood then?
1: Mm. Many ways. So this is one of the things that I like the most about me. It's also one of the like, and I can claim that I'm pretty high achieving. It's also one of the things that plagues my existence. Because Mm -hmm. I've definitely internalized this sense that I need to do something great. And so if I'm struggling, it's with this sense a lot of times that I'm not doing something great. It also has made me really hang my hat on achieving. And I've had some very hilarious conversations in my own personal therapy, one just this last week where we were talking about the fact that I might never be satisfied. Some of the goals that I have right now are once I meet them, like, aren't I just going to have another goal? And I'm like, yes, of course I will. But I think those will feel good. I was very resistant to being challenged on that. It feels part of my identity. I can't really separate those things out. I don't know who I am if I'm not achieving. So this kicked my ass going into motherhood. Because motherhood Mm. is the anti-achievement. Like it Hmm. feels like there's some award to be won. That's how I feel in my whole life. But I won zero awards as a mom. And so instead of just feeling normal or having some grace for myself, I think it left me feeling really bad. There's not a lot of middle ground. Either you've got the A and then you're working for the next thing or you're the worst, like Mm. worthless. Mm Without mm-hmm. identity. Yeah, I'm easygoing.
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> goes without saying. Obviously. Okay, now I have another, I have a follow-up question. Uh oh. I know. It's not a it's not a big one. Don't get don't don't worry. How much of that? You know, I do think obviously a big chunk is just personality. How much mm-hmm. do you think is a result of a childhood label and conditioning?
1: Okay, so here's the thing. I don't think these labels come out of nowhere and i'm sure we'll have an opportunity Agreed. to talk a little bit later in the episode about how this plays out in our own families because i'm aware of how this is happening in my own family my children we kind of have a sense of this one's the this one this one's the that one and it's because it's true it, there's a there were things that led us to the point of saying oh you're the difficult one you're the creative one you're the sweet one you're the there were things that led us to that but you can become so bound by it I think the label was right on. But I also think, for example, like I was a super parentified child. I was a super adultified child. So maybe I came into the world with um, a sense of being highly competent or smart or driven. Like maybe I was born with that. I don't know. But there were also things in my environment that led me to be more that way that weren't necessarily healthy. Right. And then that label really... It really reinforces it becomes it becomes a thing that's more true because other people say it about you. Does
0: that make sense? Right? Yes, no, it makes perfect sense. This is why I wanted to talk through this is because, yes, I agree with you. I think a lot of it is a result of it, it's just true. Let me talk about my labels. It, it's interesting because I <laughs> lo and behold, I was not the responsible one at all. <laughs> I was I was the happy child. Mm -hmm. I was the easy child. Now, if you ask me to look at my childhood, I think that label was very accurate in early childhood. Mm -hmm. I was pretty easy and I was pretty happy. I think for me where it got me into trouble was adolescent because Mm – the thing about the happy being the happy child is that it, it really programs you to think that that's your baseline, that you mm-hmm. are always supposed to feel joy and be really positive. So the minute this is why I got into trouble in adolescence or the teenage years—I mean, internally in trouble, well, externally too. But that's <laughs> another—that's another podcast episode. Internally, when I started to feel these other feelings and emotions that weren't quote unquote in that happy, joyful category, Mm -hmm. I turned inward from a standpoint of what's wrong with me. Really made me in tune with so many things from Nancy Grace, right? Wasn't that her name? Nancy Grace, the old books, the detective books, Nancy Grace? Oh, Nancy
1: Drew. No, Nancy Grace is like a talking head, like investigative journalist, I think.
0: Okay. See? Well, Nancy's (laughs) like to investigate, whether it's Drew or Grace. They like to investigate. See? Not the overachiever over here. So then I started to become really in tune with things around me to try Mm -hmm. to figure out what it was that was not making me happy because I'm the happy one. It really did not start to get me into trouble until the teenage years. But it's also reinforced by society. So Mm -hmm. anybody who has been labeled the life of the party or the really fun one, there's so much pressure. Because when you're the happy life of the party, go lucky, the minute you walk into the room and you're not that, everybody notices. Mm -hmm. And then it's further reinforced as what's wrong, what's going on, what's wrong, you're not you, you're not being normal, what's going on. It's like kind of beaten into your head that you're not good unless you're happy or easygoing or this isn't your role. You're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to crack the joke.
1: Yeah, I think what you're saying is that these labels shape our relationship with the world around us. So I can see in our own family that the labels, if we're not careful, and we try to be pretty mindful around this because we've seen what it does, those labels can shape how other people treat us, like what they expect of us and the way that they interact with us. And they can also just shape how we identify ourselves in relationship to the world. Big time. And what's allowed.
0: And what feels comfortable. So even as we're Talking through this, I'm thinking about a couple weeks ago when we released the episode during Suicide Prevention Week. It was a very vulnerable and and honest episode. Loved, Loved doing that, truly do. But what's funny is... The amount of people who reached out or sent us messages, whether it was personally or through the podcast, which I appreciate, let me be clear, I appreciate those so much, Mm -hmm. but my inner being struggles so much with that attention. Oh, really? Yeah. I have to be honest here. I have to, yeah. right? That's what we're doing. I have to be honest. I struggled with the attention because, I mean, decades, I only received attention for happiness. Mm-hmm. So now to shift over and receive attention for vulnerability or sadness or pain, I kind of didn't realize it until we started talking through it right now. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, thanks. Let's move on. Ha! <laughs> Let me crack a joke. Mm. I did force myself with some to bond and just stay in it, but truly, at forty years old, that label still comes out and mm-hmm. feels uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. To be fair, that was a really hard thing to do. Even for somebody who wades around in the difficult things, I think sharing your most vulnerable and tender and especially a story that has a sense of stigma around it, that was really a big deal. So to be fair. But I do hear you saying that because you are the happy one and probably still to this day, the one that Jessica's here, like, you know, we're going to laugh. That it can be really, really weird to be like, oof, and... It sounds like people responded to you really well, maybe with some surprise, but there might also be a time where people respond to you and they're like, we don't know what to do because you live in this little box that's like Jessica the happy one and then we're like, "Uh, when will you be happy again? Or I don't know how to comfort you because you're not the one who usually needs comforting.
0: Yes, and that is something I wish my 16-year-old self would have known. Then if you look at wanting or needing, which kind of goes to this next level of this conversation, or next part of this conversation is how we seek comfort, right, or or what we need and how those past labels then play out as parents, as partners, as friends. So if I look at Jessica the happy one and great point of saying people might not know how to support you if you're usually presenting yourself in this one way, Right. thinking about how that leads to – Loneliness for people mm-hmm. or feeling like nobody cares. And often that's not the case. Right. It's right. if you're only showing up this one way, people don't know how to lean in or support you or nurture you or care in the way that you need, nor do you often know.
1: Yeah. Or even in ways that would be different than what you usually get. So this
0: seems like a great time to take a break.
1: We'll be right back. I've shared this story on the podcast before, but I'm going to say it again. I know I bring a lot of big sister energy to the table. Like I am a big sister. I am the epitome of big sister. I am first. I'm not actually the firstborn. High achieving, independent. I have an opinion. You should know what it is. I will take care of you whether you like it or not. Big sister energy. That for me was something that was really reinforced by my childhood label of responsible or whatever it was because those traits are considered good traits. So I was getting positive attention for the label that I received in childhood, which means that all of my natural tendencies and all of the social feedback that I got said, yes, keep doing that. The problem is that that means that I didn't really learn how to be very vulnerable. I didn't really learn how to let other people show up for me. It just, it wasn't natural. And so this isn't about better or worse. It's about what's natural to you. And that needing from other people was not natural. Receiving from other people was not natural. And so I am telling you the truth when I say that the first time that I really felt vulnerable, vulnerable, and able to receive, those times were in my 30s. And I know that like, there are people who know me who listen to this and are like, what? Bullshit. Like, You were vulnerable before. Sure. And not in a receiving way, not in a healthy way. And so it took getting to some of the lowest of the low points of my life before I was, I didn't show up the way that I was labeled. I couldn't show up as the responsible, self sufficient big sister part. And I was lucky enough to have some of my nearest and dearest friends who had known me in that role forever show up for me as big sisters. And I actually had one of those friends say to me, I love that I get to be this for you. I've never gotten to be this for you before. You've always been this for me. And, you know, again, like it or not, because big sister energy is not actually always the best, but that's how I was showing up in her life for a long time and challenging that pattern of behavior and that label was so necessary, but it it made the whole thing hard. Like it took a long time for me to get there. Things had to be really, really tough or bad. And it felt so uncomfortable. It was so uncomfortable, yet it was exactly what I needed, not just then, but I think throughout my life to be seen and not have to be good to be seen as good.
0: That is one thing we Mm. share, even though we have very different labels or we had different labels in childhood is it took profound pain because i would i would agree with you it would be my 30s after my dad died actually took being knocked down so hard you really couldn't stand up by yourself in order to learn how to be truly vulnerable because it was easier and then in the back of my mind that's what i was supposed to do to just be the happy one right and so i'm i'm listening to you talk and thinking wow We share that commonality Mm -hmm. in I'm only good if I'm achieving the big sister energy. I'm like, oh, you are. I haven't even realized that. In this partnership of ours, which we've been working hand in hand for a while now, you totally are. And it's funny you said that. Now we have a new way to express our displeasure with
1: one another. You'd be like, you're really being a big sister right now. I'll be like, well, you're being a little sister right now.
0: Stop big sistering me. <laughs> right.
1: Technically, you're, I'm we're a the older, same age. So Stop being my big sister. That's fine. <laughs> what I think you're saying is that are, sometimes our labels keep fit. us from fits, right? real vulnerability and connection because it's like a shorthand for defining us. And it also I think limits the way that other people interact with us. For example, in my family, if I have a child that was labeled as the whiny one. Or the tattling one or the too sensitive Mm. one, right? Because sensitive could be seen as a positive and it could be seen as a negative. A lot of this has to do with our socialization and gender expectations and all there's just a lot that goes into it. But that child may not get a fair shake from us with a really reasonable grievance. That child may not get our emotional attunement because we're discounting or the child that's seen as the nice one, the sweet one all oh, you've always been so sweet and kind and generous and thoughtful when that child does mean to one of the other siblings which happened this morning, which is why our morning wasn't great, I want to go ham on that child I like I want I am like what is wrong oh, with yeah. you right now because this isn't who you are I mean to be fair, I expect all my kids to be kind to one another, but does that label? impact the way that I interact with this child, I I think it probably does. I've become very aware
0: of that. I have internal in my head labels for my children, or I feel like I do as a parent, challenge my quote-unquote more difficult one more than I challenge my quote-unquote easier, softer sensitive one, and expect different things. You weren't the difficult, quote unquote, difficult child. I wasn't, quote unquote, the difficult child. I can see Mm -hmm. how shame Mm -hmm. can live inside a child that's labeled difficult. And my mind has gone all over the place with that, what that label turns into in adulthood. I really have a lot of empathy now for this label and how hard it must be Because I am sensitive. I was the more sensitive one. That was another label I had is being sensitive. And I will say growing up as the quote unquote sensitive child, ooh, it's easy to figure out whether you're Mm -hmm. trying to or not how how to manipulate a situation. It is really easy because the minute you cry, Mm -hmm. oh, it makes Mm -hmm. somebody feel bad for you. You get what you want. And that kind of sucks for – I actually feel a little bad for my husband. <laughs> I can shut down a conversation very easily yeah. through tears or you're so mean. And then if it doesn't get shut down, then even going mm-hmm. further, like why, why aren't you bending here? Like the mm-hmm. world is always mm-hmm. bent to the sensitive child because – how could you unless be so mean you grew up in a family where that was culturally unacceptable? Child.
1: So like I said, I don't think that my sensitive child is getting a fair shake in our family. Because we're like, mm-hmm. we don't have time for that. Or, hey, you always have a grievance and like, no, no, thanks. You know? It's yeah, so it doesn't I think that same sensitive Ooh, child could point. learn that like actually this is a part of me, which to be fair, sensitivity is a beautiful thing. It's just like all of these strong headedness is a beautiful thing. These are just traits that have good sides and they have challenging pieces. But that sensitivity could be the most beautiful thing about this child. The empathy, the soft heart, the relational aspect. And it doesn't necessarily get brownie points in every situation. That child might learn actually the way that I feel things is not okay and it doesn't work. Well, I think there is a happy middle. And I think There's maybe like a that's a happy middle to get. There's a reason we have childhood labels. They probably are a shorthand of describing some things that are true. And then these labels can't be the only thing or the most defining thing about us because that works to our detriment, to all of our detriment. I've got one more little tag about the difficult child because I think that this is an important thing to – Put out there. I know it's important in our family. So, some of these labels, they start from the time that our children are born. And I wonder a little bit if my sense of being too much comes from the fact that I was a colicky baby. You know, whether you believe that our sense Mm. of self is shaped before we have memory, I do. I think that being a difficult baby impacts the way that people are able to interact with you, right? It impacts your parents' experience of you from before you were, I mean, you were an infant and helpless. So I had my own colicky child and this child, this baby was difficult. This toddler was difficult. This child's probably highly sensitive, right? There was, There's a lot going on about how I would explain this personality now. But I noticed in our own family that when we would tell stories, you just never stopped crying. It was so hard. We didn't know what to do with you. Those are things that can really impact someone's sense of self. And we noticed it can't be the birth story and the baby story of one child oh, you were so lovely, we just loved you, we held you, and we snuggled you, and then of another child, like you were a demon spawned from hell, and that's how we're gonna talk about you. It really limits that child, and it limits their ability to feel worthy. It comes with a whole bunch of shame, and it's something we've been super conscientious about over the last couple of years, because to be fair, my child, who was a really difficult baby, is a kick-ass middle grader, just one of my favorite humans in the whole world. Someone I want to spend time with who I just think is the best. But if I held that label or if I continued to repeat these stories that come with a heavy label, this child would struggle and our relationship would struggle because this child would feel really rejected by us. And to be fair, if we kept repeating it, it would probably be a little bit true. It's so true when you bring up that
0: infant, because as you are sharing your story i'm thinking about the stories of my children as babies and they're very different to no big surprise the more quote-unquote difficult one was a definitely a difficult baby challenged me more than the other one and it's really just important Mm -hmm. to be aware of it how they shape us or impact us to the women listening We hope that today's honest conversation exploring our own labels and how we've personally used those gives you the chance to get curious about your own labels that you've been using or ones that you yourself have been labeled. Maybe we can use that to gain a deeper or better understanding of friends, family, our children,
1: or heck, even ourselves. you've just finished an episode of the Honest Women podcast, we are so honored that you would spend this time with us. We have so much more where this came from and don't want you to miss a minute. So please, right now, take a second to follow the show. While you're there, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It's the best way to help other women find our show so they can join the conversation. And if you have a friend who could use a little more honesty in her life, and who couldn't, send this episode directly to her. Actually send this episode to anyone you want to. Everyone's welcome here. We'll be back next Wednesday speaking some truth and feeling some feels. Until then, hang in there, ladies. This has been Honest Women.